0: All right, welcome back to the show. This is Brad. And today I'm going to talk about one of the hottest topics in all of business marketing and um, some of the hottest opportunities out there. And that has to do with e-commerce and specifically drop shipping. Now, if you are new to the world of of online marketing and especially e-commerce, you may not understand what the word dropshipping means, but it is one of the quickest ways to get started. It's one of the easiest ways to, to validate a product and to do it without spending a ridiculously large amount of money in startup costs. Uh, and if you are familiar with dropshipping, and we're going to go into the definitions here in just a second, then you also may have some concerns and, um, and some things that you want to be careful with because a lot of people get into drop shipping and then they just screw it up and they don't do it correctly and they end up wasting a lot of time and money because they, they just thought that you could find any old thing out there, throw some traffic at it, have it sourced from China, and you're making millions and millions of dollars. Well, that's not the case. And I know that's not the case because uh, I've been around the block on this stuff. I've tried some of it myself. I've had some success. I've had some failures. But that's why I reached out to Anton Crayley from DropShipLifestyle.com. And I asked him to come on the show and discuss the, way, the right way to do dropshipping and to do it in a way that makes sense, that is scalable, and that you can build a real sound business without you know without hitting any of the landmines. So Anton is a serial entrepreneur. He's got 15 years of experience building these online businesses including dropship lifestyle. It was also voted the best e-commerce course by Shopify and it was created to give students the knowledge and tools necessary to create freedom through entrepreneurship. Anton, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you Brad, happy to be here.
0: Yeah, it's happy to have you. So, we were just talking you're, fr- you're you live in Austin, Texas, is that right?
1: Yes, I've been out in Austin for just over 2 years now.
0: Very cool. And dropship lifestyle. This is uh I want to find out a little bit more about your history in in e-com and dropshipping in particular cuz it sounds like you've had some good success and then you started dropship lifestyle com
1: to kind of help shed the light on mm-hmm. this for other people, is that right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. I got into e commerce uh, about 2007. I had my first online store and dropship lifestyle. I started, I think it was late 2012, early 2013, somewhere around there. What was your first online store? What were you selling? Uh, Well, actually the first one, if you go way back to the beginning, I was actually selling cookies online. So yeah, I I started with, literally I had a a relationship with a bakery in Brooklyn, New York. That was my first actual business. I had a a delivery route from them and I delivered cookies around Long Island, spent $25,000 for the the right to do that. I bought a van, I bought this business, the territorial rights, Uh, didn't like that business at all, got sick of it really fast, but literally I was 21 years old, had every dime I had into it, plus more, and that's when I first heard about e-commerce and thought, you know what? Let me build a website called New York Cookie Shop and see if I could sell these things online. So that was the that was the first e-commerce store I had. I love it. So what was the first like really successful um,
0: e-com store you had?
1: There wasn't. I mean, honestly, I, I would consider that one really successful. So oh, uh, you know, compared to I guess the the other option, which was that offline delivery route business where I would drive around all week to these grocery stores and try to sell them boxes of cookies that they then sold to customers. Mm-hmm. The online store within a few weeks, you know, it cost me, that one cost me $29 to start and 20, instead of 25,000. I set up AdWords to it. I uploaded products and within a few weeks it was making a lot more money than that offline business. So oh, that's, that's kind of what got me hooked. And then from there I thought, you know, if I could, if I could do this, if I could build a website, if I could run AdWords, cause that's how I was getting all my traffic back then. Why can't I do it with more expensive products, you know, instead of selling $20 boxes of cookies, why can't I sell, you know, a $5,000 uh, I don't know, range for your, uh, your, you know, your stove topper? Why can't I sell anything for your house that people buy between 500 and 2000 bucks? So I started at that point importing products from China and just going kind of up the up market in every industry and selling more and more expensive things. Oh, fantastic. So let's, let's
0: back up for the listeners sake
1: mm-hmm. and let's define drop shipping. Sure. So, yeah, it's funny. You mentioned that, you know, right now in 2018, it's one of like the hottest opportunities. You see it everywhere on Facebook being promoted. You see people talking about it on YouTube everywhere. And uh, it's like, it seems almost like it's this new thing. All you got to do is drop
0: ship. Yeah, it's not not that new. It's been around forever. No,
1: it's been like literally forever. So the first, I guess, drop shippers were people that literally sent out catalogs to different businesses and had products in those catalogs and get the term product catalog in your e-commerce store now. And then people would call the catalogs and say, Hey, I want to order product ABC. And they'd say, okay, great. What's your credit card number? And then they would call the supplier or the manufacturer of that product and ship it to that customer. So all drop shipping is, you know, from a, from a 30,000 foot view is a way to fulfill orders. It doesn't even have to be online, but it's simply a way of getting a product to a customer. Now as retailers, which is what I consider myself is not like the goal of a retailer is to build the store and to get the customer. So we do that, but once that part's done, we then have that order fulfilled by, in our case, a manufacturer or a brand, because we go direct to the companies that actually produce these items.
0: Right. So, and then the difference for, you know, the other way to do it is to, yeah, to import the stuff, to warehouse it, to take care of shipping yourself, and to handle all of the fulfillment, which, and I know in the early days, I mean, that's mm-hmm. a, that could be a big commitment. Let's say you find a widget. That you want to sell when you can either source it in the US, you can source it overseas, you can spend a whole bunch of money to get it over here. And I know that's one of the things that's always just caused me a headache before I even started because I'm a big believer in validating something before you Mm -hmm. sink a whole lot of money into it. And dropshipping is a terrific way to validate a product idea for very little money. All right.
1: Of course. Yeah. Not even the capital outlay, but but just the risk. So even if you even if you have the cash, you're still taking on that risk. So, you know, it's funny. When I kind of started transitioning from the cookies and whatnot to more expensive products, this was before I even knew what dropshipping was. So I basically just built websites and I listed lead times on different product pages for you know six to eight weeks. Then we would collect the money and then order these products from China, have full containers come in. And it was because one, I didn't have the capital, and two, I didn't know what would sell. So it's just, it's a very, very risky business model. I mean, at any given time, you could have $50,000 of customers' money, you know, sent to China waiting on products to arrive. So that's how I started. And I wouldn't do it again now that I'm a little bit older and wiser, but it's uh, it's definitely risky. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So uh, for my listeners right now, we just gave you a really brief overview of it. Right, mm-hmm. and we'll we'll continue to. I'm trying. I'm not going to try to talk way over your head if you're new to this, but at the same time, I've got some very specific questions that I want to ask, and I will encourage you early on that if this already sounds like something you want to do, and you but you need more of a primer on it, uh, Anton's got some amazing information at dropship lifestyle dot com. That said, I'm going to start to ask questions that um, that will impact me my clients, my business partners, and and I, it may go over your head a little bit, but I want you to pay close attention, even if, if it does, because these are the kind of questions that I'm gonna ask, which are the ones that you don't typically see, like when you're reading blog posts about this and watching free YouTube videos and all of that other stuff. So I invite you to eavesdrop on the conversations. Uh, okay, so. And I will, uh, as I told you offline, Anton, I've, I've got a very specific one, and I'll even explain uh, to the audience exactly what it is, and they can hear you giving me some advice on what you would do. But mm-hmm. let me uh, just give you some rapid-fire questions. So with, with dropshipping, what is, uh, is your business model? And I'm not talking about with, as you're teaching it. But you're mm-hmm. going to launch a a new drop shipping store. Are you typically using drop shipping as a way to start it off and validate it, or are you use is that your actual business model, or do you do it kind of to start it off and then say, okay, this is working really well. Now I'm going to go import, fulfill, warehouse, and all this stuff myself.
1: So I go into it assuming that eighty percent of the business revenue will come from simply having relationships with manufacturers and brands in that industry. So drop shipping. And that, that's I, that's assuming that now, if I find that something really takes off and a store is doing really well, and I can identify over, say, six, nine, twelve months. A few best selling products out of usually thousands of SKUs, then there's a good chance that I will form my own brand and private label a few of those top selling products. Nice. Um, again, I know you don't want to get too like, outside of this and too advanced. No, but we can go we we want. Say, This is just right? you and I That's, having a beer okay. together now. <laughs> yeah. So, so I, I say about 80% because we also do lots of other things since we do build niche specific stores. So yep. if I'm selling, you know, whatever it's like stand-up desks, I'll have a stand-up desk store. And then what I'll do instead of just selling stand-up desks to my audience, to the people that find us, the people that buy from us, to the people that opt into our email list. I'll also promote other affiliate offers to them for things that they might be interested in. So that makes up a a smaller portion, but definitely uh, extra revenue for our business as well. So there's kind of three ways to monetize, but majority is those relationships we have with the manufacturers that make the products we want to sell.
0: That's great. Do you usually go into, do you usually start with a niche specific where there's a whole lot of products that you can add in there or do you oftentimes start with a product by itself and say yes. I think this is something I can really sell
1: with a niche so for yeah. example you know again if I was if I wanted to sell stand up desks I'd have a stand up desk store if I wanted to sell surfboards I'd have a surfboard store and then you know all smaller things that are related to it we will have a, as like product add-ons and upsells and whatnot but we stick with that product type and then once we know that product type Again, let's just say it's surfboards. I'd want to find every surfboard manufacturer there is and try to form relationships with all of them individually so I could sell right. their products.
0: Nice. Now, and some of the examples you've given uh, here and then early on uh, are a little bit higher ticket products. Do you yes. try to stick to higher ticket uh, drop ship stuff or do mm-hmm. you
1: go, I mean, for yes. the stuff like $50 and under? Yeah. No, we're... we're I'd say at the minimum $200. Uh, usually we try to be higher. Our average order price is usually over a thousand on most of our websites. And the reason we do that is because, you know, with drop shipping, your margins aren't gonna be as big as if you had a warehouse and had all your own product lines and whatnot. Yeah. It doesn't mean you you can't make money. It definitely can work. But if you're trying to sell, you know, $20 items and you're on the dropship model and you're trying to buy traffic, which is how we get almost all of our sales, we're, we're paying for traffic. You know, it's, it's next to impossible if you're gonna make five dollars on an order to, exactly. to have a business. So we want to make at least, at, again, we we say like minimum we want to work for is 20% margins. We're usually higher on our own stores, but that's kind of a rule of thumb we give to our students. So that mm-hmm. means if they're selling a $200 item, they're going to make at least 40. If you're selling a thousand, you want to make at least $200 net profit. That's after cost of goods sold, after shipping, after your ad costs. And again, on a $20 purchase, you're going to make two bucks. So what's the point? What's a high on. end? What's a higher end of the margin that
0: you're able to Kind of get. I know it depends on a lot of things, but twenty percent being low
1: end. Like, let's just say, and we'll use that surfboard example again. If I had a surfboard company and you wanted to sell my surfboards, chances are your your margin. Would be if I had, a, let's say, like your your wholesale cost to me was five hundred dollars. Chances are the minimum advertised price for that product, so that would be what you sell it at, would be double that. So it would be a thousand. So you basically start with you know a hundred percent markup on products, mm-hmm. and then really what your margin comes down to is how cheap can you acquire a customer for? What are your overhead expenses? So it's not like your margin from your suppliers isn't going to be twenty percent. Like if that was all they gave you to work with, then it wouldn't work. It's usually much higher. And then what you can get your margin to be is really your cost to acquire customers. So as a general rule of thumb for, for our businesses, for our own stores, we try to keep our return on ad spend to be about 10 to one. So if I'm going to sell a thousand dollar item, I'll sit, I'll spend a hundred dollars to get a thousand dollar sale. So then that comes out of that profit margin. Uh, again, things like if you have staff, things like your softwares that you use to power your businesses. So typically for us, we like to be about 30% net profit. And again, that's, that's everything paid. So 30% net is always our target in our own businesses. Again, for our students that are trying to figure it out, that don't do everything for lead value optimization, like have upsells and like have mm-hmm. affiliate offers in their business, 20% is a good starting point.
0: Okay, fantastic. What about the... Um, I've got so many like things that you've been saying. You've been, this has been yeah. great. You give me so many notes and I'm looking for which one makes the most sense here. Yeah. So when it comes to competing... Now, with well, first of all, do your suppliers typically give you a minimum price that you have to sell it for, so that
1: you're not a price, a minimum price that you can't go below? So yeah. they do give you that. So a big reason that the way that we do drop shipping and other people do as well, but the big reason it works is because it's not like a race to the bottom in terms of pricing because those prices are locked in. So let's just say we'll use that surfboard example again. And let's say you wanted to sell Anton surfboards. And I said, okay, great. Here's our new retailer application form. In that application and in that paperwork, you would have our price lists for Anton surfboards. And there would actually be three columns of prices so the first one would be wholesale, which is what you would pay to my, me for the surfboards. The next one would be MSRP, so manufacturer just at retail price. Uh, that's the highest price that no one ever sells for, but that's the one that you'll usually see on the website with like you know, being crossed out with yeah. a strike through on it. And then the third column will be map, which stands for a minimum advertised price, that's the one that 99% of people selling these products will sell for, and that's the one that's usually 100% markup on wholesale. So yeah, and what's again, what's good about that is if you wanted to sell my surfboards and five other people did too, it's not a matter of how low do you guys wanna go to get the sale, it's everyone's gonna sell for this price, so if you wanna stand out, it's gotta be for more things than just the price, and it's not gonna you know, just destroy profit margins within a few weeks, which is what happens with suppliers that don't enforce pricing policies.
0: Right. Okay. So I couldn't necessarily just get um, your product and then put it on my Shopify store and say, I'm just going to sell it for the wholesale price as almost like a loss leader because it's going to screw everybody else up.
1: It screws everybody. So, yeah, and like a good way for people to, I guess, get this concept if it's new to them is just picture, you know, Apple products, right? Like an iPhone. If you want an iPhone 10, it's going to be the same price at the Apple store and at Best Buy and at Target and at AT AT&T. If you're not getting a contract, it's the same price everywhere because of these map policies, because if Target just said, you know what, we're going to sell the iPhone 10 for 400 bucks because we want all the customers that would make the iPhone 10 now a $400 phone. It yeah. would diminish, you know, the brand value. It would make everyone else stop wanting to sell it. So that's why these policies are in effect and they really do protect both the brands and everyone selling for the brands, the retailers like us.
0: Perfect. So I'm going to circle I'm circling this cuz I want to circle back to it on mm-hmm. a strategy here uh, shortly. But this is uh, this is really important and I want everybody to kind of pay attention um, because I want to see if what I, What I was thinking is even possible. Um, Is there a way, like, so if if I just go, I set up a Shopify store and I want to sell widgets on, you know, whatever, kitchen supplies, you know, whatever, and I find a manufacturer, I find a supplier, um, is there a way to get an even lower than traditional wholesale price? And I ask this because I've talked to a few people who've said that it this oftentimes depends on what you're selling and who your source is, mm-hmm. but that if you have like a physical location versus a uh, you're just somebody who's gonna do drop shipping, you know etc mm-hmm. that oftentimes you can get lower than kind of advertised wholesale prices. are there are there any tricks to the trade of getting yeah. the best prices?
1: Yeah, definitely. And that, that's a big part of our kind of like quarterly reviews that we do in our businesses as well. Uh, the One thing you mentioned in there, like physical store versus online only, that is true. I, I gotta say it's rare. I, I I've definitely seen it before mm-hmm. with some industries and it seems to kind of be like, niche specific where some industries, like, for example, baby stuff like cribs and strollers, they'll give people that have retail stores much better pricing on the wholesale side. So I have seen that. But again, it seems to be like an outlier thing. It's not everywhere. Uh, but as far as like the pricing that you'll get from the suppliers, it'll either be straightforward again, like here's your wholesale price list. Sometimes they'll also give you another sheet in your new retailer packet that'll show okay if you sell X amount of units of this thing we will give you you know 10% off your wholesale price if you go up to X amount of units we will give you 20% off so on so on Um, most of the time that won't be there but that is something you'll occasionally see but even with all that being said it's definitely possible because remember your relationships are directly with the manufacturers with the brands to negotiate with them and we do it all the time so especially around any big uh, any big holiday for example we just had you know Memorial Day. It's just that people mm-hmm. always do promotions obviously for Memorial Day So what we do is reach out to our top suppliers and say hey we want to do you know Or we are doing promotions for our store Can you give us any better pricing so we can you know bump your products up higher on our pages include links to them on our website and more often than not, if you have a relationship, they, they will give you, you know, a deal. So let's just say, okay, for all the orders you place in June, we're going to give you 10% off your wholesale price. And uh, around the holidays, same thing, because again, if you if you position it in a way that, hey, I'm going to put you to like the top of our website and I'm going to push your products the most to our customers, then it's definitely possible to get, to get discounts because It'll it be is better. that direct relationship. Right.
0: Yeah. And if you are going to them and let's say you're not drop shipping, but you're looking to just buy... Matt like a thousand units or something in warehouse and mm-hmm. often I mean that is one way to get cheaper as well, right? Because that, that's
1: that's one. Yep. That's one way. So we've used that too. We don't like to do that uh, That often but yeah, let's just weird. say you sell for yeah Let's say and let's say you sell for 20 different suppliers on one store yeah. and you know There's like one product that just drives half your revenue It's like your best selling products and what we'll do when it gets closer to the holidays like especially black Friday and around Christmas you know, there's a good chance that your supplier will sell out of those products. So that's when you can kind of use that move. Like, hey, listen, you know, I want to make sure that we have this inventory and maybe I want you know, 200 of these things. Can I buy them now? I'll pay you for them. Can I get a discount? And then you still keep them in your warehouse, but I own that inventory. So you're basically prepaying them for the product they already have. They're storing it for you because they're still going to drop ship it. But mm-hmm. now, you know, your money's to them. You got a discount and your inventory is secured. So that's one way you could uh, kind that of play with that as well. Yeah. Do do you typically go straight to the
0: manufacturer uh in the main company or through distributors?
1: No, uh, yeah, every time go direct. There, there okay. have been instances where we have worked through distributors, but it's not it's not a good process. You know, first of all, like there usually are extra fees involved. The margins are usually smaller, there's usually not pricing controls. Uh, again, some industries, like we've seen with medical equipment, a lot of that, like you kind of have to go through distributors. But for most industries, you can always get a connection directly at the brand itself, which is always the way to go. right. do you, do you oftentimes source from overseas and dropship
0: from no. way if it's China or somewhere no. else or do you always try to drop ship from US?
1: Uh, for, for me us because this is where my businesses are based for yep. dropship lifestyle, you know we have students in Australia, so they work with brands that are in Australia. We have students in Germany, they have uh, suppliers in Germany. So we so keep it domestic, domestic
0: domestic yeah. sourcing then. yes. okay. And once more, we're talking about typically like you recommend the higher ticket stuff. This is not like the little chashkis you just source for a couple bucks, you know. From, no. And, I, and I have,
1: honestly, you know, I, I, like I said, I, I did start with, you know, cookies and whatnot. So that was a, a less expensive item. But even over the years, I have tried some of the less expensive products in the, you know, 40 to $50 price range. And what's happened every time I've. Played around with it to see what I could kind of get out of the business. It's the same thing every time. Like it looks exciting because a bunch of orders come in, Mm -hmm. you know, and. The revenue is good, but then at the end of the day, you're dealing with just too many customers. You know, it, it's a different business. It becomes a customer service and customer management business when you're trying to process thousands of orders a day. And I'd much rather have, you know, maybe maybe a few dozen customers a day to make the same amount of money as a thousand or two thousand units of a fifty dollars product.
0: I'm with you. Um, I I love the bigger ticket things. I'd mm-hmm. much rather have um, bigger sales. But that being said, when you're dealing you know this i i guess this is where is the competitive advantage so if i will use stand up desks cuz you use that as an yeah. example and i'm actually standing at a stand up desk right now so i'm a <laughs> customer of those um with bigger ticket stuff you uh, i am imagining that the consumers are doing a little bit more research and they're not as it's not an impulse buy so they're a little slower to buy it um uh-huh. the value add because it doesn't sound like somebody with a dropship business can necessarily compete on the lowest price. I mean, you can probably match the lowest price, but these days with, you know, Amazon and everything else, you know, there's a lot of way you know, it, it's hard to be the lowest price. So what is it that you do when you're sending people, let's say it's to a stand up desk store or any kind of a store, mm-hmm. in order to encourage them to buy from you an untrusted source if it's the first time? Mm-hmm. Because you know, yep. I buy from Amazon cuz I know Amazon like I trust them yeah. and I think that's the number one thing they've got going for them is the trust factor. So if you're not competing on price and you it's hard to compete on trust, how do you make people choose you over you know the competition?
1: Yeah, so a couple things uh, as far as like pricing goes you you will technically be you know the lowest price, but that's because everyone will be the lowest price because everyone sells for minimum advertised price. Yeah. So you're not competing on price because again, everyone is you don't tied have a competitive at,
0: edge on price.
1: You may be a low, no, but it's no. not no. an edge. Yeah, it's yeah, exactly. It's all it's all the same there. Um, then some other things you mentioned, which are, are totally true though, when people find us, and really the only time we want them to find us is when they are at the very bottom of the buying funnel. So we don't want people even coming to our websites. I mean, if it's free, why not? But if are coming to us and we're paying for it we want them to know which stand up desk, you know, manufacturer they want to buy from, what size they want it in, what SKU number it is, what color it is, and they're just trying to decide like literally with their credit card, you know, on their desk, mm-hmm. should I buy from, you know, where where should I choose? So that's the type of people we want on our stores to begin with. Then once they're there, it's our job to get them to become a customer. So there's a whole bunch of things we do. Some of the the bigger ones that I guess could apply to everyone. Uh, we like to use obviously urgency and scarcity because those are the two biggest drivers of conversion. Yeah. So so we do expiring coupon codes on our websites that expire every Wednesday night and every Sunday night at midnight. So whether, you know, whenever anyone finds us within a few days, they're going to see a coupon code everywhere on the website that they can use for the next few days. And again, these are people that are ready to buy anyway. So it makes them first think like, oh, wow, am I really going to buy this, you know, in the next. Three days maximum because that coupon code's about to expire. So that's the first thing, trying to get them to choose us. Real From there. Quick, what kind of like what kind of discounts are you typically like 10% so,
0: off or what what's better than yeah, the that, motivator?
1: That'll be the maximum. It depends on the store. Usually it is about ten percent off. Sometimes it'll just be free shipping, but that's that's not the typical thing. Sometimes five percent off. Uh, it really depends on that store's profitability, and that depends on how well our ads convert and what our relationship's like with the suppliers on that store. Right. But okay, so then uh, no- Number two, you said
0: expiring coupons
1: with urgency and scarcity and what was number two? Yep. So the next thing is to actually like so one advantage we have on anything we build over someone like Amazon is because we do build these niche specific stores, we can give that person, you know, an experience that really like speaks to them. So if it was a stand up desk store, that page, the product page would be a sales it would look like a sales page for, mm-hmm. you know, a stand up desk. It wouldn't just have the the stock manufacturer photos and the little three sentences that they wrote up. We would explain to the person like why this was the perfect stand up desk for them. We we would get unique product shots on there. We would most likely have a video that walks them through how to use it. Um, we would have reviews specifically for that stand-up desk and really turned it into like a whole experience because what you'll find with a lot of the companies that, that do the business model I'm speaking of, what they do is get approved to sell, you know, stand-up desk, ABC. And again, copy the two basic photos, copy the one basic description of it, and then don't even make any features and really don't make an effort. So we, I guess do our internet marketing skills and make it mm-hmm. into an actual like little sales page that that really stands out and when you mix that type of thing with the you know the expiring coupon codes um we also have which i mean most people do now but we really do have great support in all of our stores so we have live chat that doesn't just say you know hey you have a question for us but hey in, in that case it would say something like you know we're the stand up desk specialists so like speak to a stand up desk esper- expert something like that to again you know make it connect with that person So it's, yeah, it's um, customer experience it's really about that so you know the reason some retail stores are still around when everything can be bought online is because people want to go to them and have that that kind of interaction so it really is all about experience we just try to bring that online okay perfect
0: yeah. now what about um dude this is great i love i love doing this rapid fire stuff These, yeah. this is really fantastic so um Yeah, it's it's a qualitative versus a quantitative thing. People are going to buy from you because they have the best experience coming to your site. Like, wow, these guys really answered my questions, et cetera. And you mentioned bottom of the funnel, which for if anybody doesn't really know what that means, I mean, if you're at the top of the funnel, this is, you know, people aren't really aware that. They're not necessarily shopping for your stuff, but maybe they stumble across a cool Facebook ad or something like that. They're like, oh, what's this? It's interesting. And they start yep. down the path, right? And bottom of the funnel, as you mentioned, is hey, I already know I want this. I just haven't decided which one, at yep. what price, or and, from and- what.
1: Right. Store. And I'll, just, I'll, I'll add one thing to that, too, because a lot of times they are looking for the best deal because, again, by the time they find us, they know they want it. Um, if they could find a, tr- a site that looks trustworthy, you know, having, again, reviews, have it look professional, have actual support that works, um, they'll probably choose that. But then something else you can do to kind of not get around, but to make map on your site seem better than someone else's. Let's just say I was selling a seven hundred dollar stand up desk. I could not by breaking map, technically include something with that purchase that made it like a no brainer. So, okay, if you buy this stand-up desk from us within the next three days, I'm going to include a computer mount or I'm going to include, you know, a cable holder for behind it. So you don't have cables over your desk. So you can include bonuses like that and it might cost you as the business owner 10 or $20, but that 10 or $20 as a bonus gift for the purchase, could easily convert a lot more seven hundred dollars sales. So we do a lot of things like that too on our uh, on our uh, on our best selling products.
0: I love it. So the um, if you're going really for a lot of the um, that bottom of the funnel as well, are you is a lot of your traffic coming from Google then, both like Google mm-hmm. AdWords as well as Google Shopping, versus yeah. something like Facebook, which is a little bit more, uh, which is a lot more top of the funnel. You know. Obviously, Facebook is amazing for retargeting, but Mm -hmm. uh, the majority of your front-end traffic, are you getting that from, like, which channels uh, primarily?
1: uh, Yeah, our our highest converting source of traffic, I mean, it has been for the past, like, decade now, and it still is, but Google Shopping um, is just by far the best behind that organic but again we're not doing a lot for seo besides on-site stuff so all those long tail product names brand names SKU numbers we're ranking for things like that which converts great uh search text ads on google we do but only for our best-selling products just to have more placement you know on the front page of google so Facebook, google shopping don't do, really is yeah the, um... oh it's, it's yeah because if you think about it and for anyone that doesn't know what google shopping is like if you go on Google and just type in any product, you're gonna see a, you're gonna see product pictures, you're gonna see store names, you're gonna see prices. So the people that click those, they're buyers. You know, it's not they know where they're going. So it's it's just a very effective ad type for e-commerce stores.
0: I love it. <clears throat> yeah. The um, okay, so we've covered a little bit about sourcing. We've covered just a little bit about traffic here. We've covered. Um, a little bit on the conversion and like how you make your stuff stand out, et cetera. And we've talked a little bit about um, profit. It, it, earlier you mentioned a 30% net profit. Yes. Um, so that's typically what you're you're trying to get and shooting for. And is that the company, like that's after ad costs, that's after everything, right? That every single expense, yeah, okay. yeah. Because uh, I do know that one of the things that uh, some of my ecom friends have stumbled into, especially not so much with dropship, but with the you know when they're sourcing their own products, is that they're they've got really high gross revenues, but then their profit margins are just absolutely dismal, like five percent mm-hmm. or sometimes less. And a lot of that has to do with sinking uh, money back into inventory costs. Which yes. with dropshipping, you don't really have inventory costs because it's no, you know that's yeah. the whole nature yeah. of it. Now you make exactly. It, I mean, you may get, um, you know, you may have a lower overall margin, gross margin, but you're, <laughs> you know, you don't have, you don't have that issue. And I've seen people grow to death because they, their demand outstripped their ability to finance inventory
1: hundred percent. And that's, that's a huge thing. And I'll say also, you know, when I say like our margins are 30%, that's, that's very calculated. It's because we know that's where we want them to be. So we're making sure we're constantly monitoring our biggest expense with, besides cost of goods sold, which is our ad cost. So easily tomorrow, you know, my margins could be, negative 20% if i just didn't watch my adwords account and went in there and upped all my budgets 500%, you know so like what you make out of this because again the margins that you have like just your gross margins between your product price and your wholesale costs, those are high no matter what, but then it comes out to how many expenses you add to the business. And again, cost of acquiring a customer really is the biggest, and that's why you gotta be so careful with that, Like especially when people wanna scale. You know, I know when I started, I was not good with tracking what was converting for us, And luckily, back then, it was a lot cheaper to advertise, so I had a lot more leniency. But once I finally figured out the whole e-commerce for analytics tracking system, I realized, like, wow, I'm spending a ton of money on ads that aren't making any. So the business was still profitable because back then, again, it was much cheaper. But now, you know, if you're not on top of that, it's very easy to take a store that maybe I can get a 30% margin on and to be losing money on because it really comes down to your cost to acquire new customers.
0: Yeah, it really does the um i want to circle back now i mentioned this to everybody regarding the low cost prices so uh, i've seen a version of this done and i've really liked it and it kind of made me think about um, some of the opportunities here in regards to like a buyers club and yes. uh and i would love you may have a lot more information on this than myself but so one of the one of the sites they came across uh, was in a specific niche that does that does have a lot of repeat purchases because there's a uh, I'll call it a consumable product, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, it's not something you ingest; it's just something that you need to replenish. Um, and they had a it was like a um, an com store behind a membership site. So as I like, think of it as a private site that you come in, and the whole the whole point of it was get get these this product basically at wholesale cost. And they probably marked it up a little bit, but in general, if you looked at the product inside their membership area, and I think you paid ten dollars a month to be in it, um, you look at the product inside the membership area, and then you go search that exact same product elsewhere on the web. It is definitely a lot cheaper. Sometimes like twenty five percent cheaper. I've seen it as much as fifty percent cheaper. So it did look like they were selling it at break even. Now it's not being publicly that individual product is not being publicly advertised, but it's being privately advertised to members only. Um, And it was interesting because I was talking to the owner and he's like, yeah, what's been genius about it is that we don't care about making the money on the actual sale of the product. And by the way, these are not high ticket stuff. This is lower ticket stuff. But we don't care as much about making money on the the sale of the product. We want the continuity because the continuity is a lot of fun. Um, And it improves their valuation. And I thought that was like really pretty genius as far as creating a members only – you know, Shopify site with, you know, your basic entire premise is you're going to get this stuff at wholesale cost because, you know, I want you on continuity. A, are you familiar with that exact model? B, Mm -hmm. do you have any other insights on buyers clubs or, you know, this whole concept that I just kind of brought up?
1: Yeah, I am familiar with a business model. I know people that have or have in the past or currently have businesses like that. I've personally never done it. I would say I really do like it though. Um, you know, the things that kind of you're talking about, what's great about them is, since they're usually based around different industries, that type of thing, when you're making money on the continuity, even though it is that lower ticket products, again, the margins come from the, the technically info side or the membership side. So you can acquire a customer and let's just say, you know, you made your $10 right away. That's ten dollars profit, and next month it's twenty dollars profit, and month three it's thirty dollars profit. So I, I really do like that business model, especially now with the ability to do things like build YouTube channels and have Facebook groups with like-minded people that all know of this buyers club. Uh, yeah. I think it's a great business model. Again, I haven't done it personally, but I, I, I like that one a lot. Good, yeah, because it's it's one of the things, and I do know for a fact because I've
0: I've bought some websites, I do acquisitions, I've sold some website businesses, and I do know that. That if you have continuity in your business, I mean, continuity is really the holy grail. That's what really everybody wants. But if you can create continuity, your valuation when you go to sell your company is dramatically higher than if you're always mm-hmm. having to do one-off sales. Uh, and I just love the fact that you don't necessarily have to focus on, um, you know, on the other stuff. You're literally just saying this is the cheapest way to get it, but, you know, you got you to gotta join the club to kind of see behind the the curtain. So I'm glad that uh, have you have you done any other types of buyers clubs, not exactly like that in the past, where it's. I mean, I know there's the whole subscribe. And, and you save a little bit of money option
1: yeah but yeah um, n- not specifically I guess the clo I mean it's not really the same but the closest we've done is when we've sold to different type of trades and whatnot we've uh, we've formed relationships with different trade organizations where we give discounts to everyone that's part of you know XYZ club or uh, yeah. association but not that they you know paid for it, it was just a more of a relationship so yeah, yeah. I, I haven't but again I know people right now that are doing this and and doing pretty big numbers and like mm-hmm. you said you know one of the benefits right now let's just say like a drop shipping store the way I built them without continuity Uh, right now the average sale price they're going for is about 30x monthly net so that's like the normal valuation but when you add continuity behind that it it definitely goes way up from there so huge huge plus side if you build to sell which is something we do as well so you said third they're going for 30 times 30 times monthly 30 times monthly net profit so net so if it made you know 5,000 a month 150,000 Okay.
0: Oh, I got you. Yeah. Now, okay. Yeah. I was thinking mm-hmm. 30 times annual. No, yeah. But, um, okay. So the, um, oh, this is just a, a random question because I have it written down. Shipping costs. Do you offer free shipping or do you typically, yes. um, okay. Yeah. Free shipping yeah. All and the that's time, just you-
1: because. All, all the time. And sometimes we do, you know, word it like, oh, if this if that site is getting the expiring coupon code being free shipping, then that will be the coupon code. But that, that's rare. And the reason you know we offer free shipping everywhere is just because that's what everyone does. So yep. because, you know, if there's five other stores selling the same thing and then we say, hey, give us 100 bucks to ship it. We're not they're not going to choose us.
0: Right. No, exactly. Well, and now people yep. are being conditioned to, with Amazon, especially
1: yes. to 100 percent.
0: Not pay for shipping. By the way, this is just a little. Uh, I don't know if you've ever tested this, but one of my close friends and a former guest on the show is a guy named Ron Lynch, and uh, Ron is so he lives in Austin. Actually, I don't know if you have you come across Ron. I think I have.
1: I, so I might Ron be is him a with someone else. Yeah, infomercial.
0: Yeah. He's a he's one of the top infomercial guys out there. He sold like three or four billion dollars on direct response TV, and mm-hmm. I had an amazing interview with him like three years ago, uh, where I I went deep just like this into a lot of the things. And I know one of the things he said that they tested with big money was that um, when you say free shipping versus we'll pay your shipping, we pay your shipping, mm-hmm. ends up converting a lot higher. Yes. Yeah. Right?
1: Yeah. So Yeah and it was- yeah definitely and I'll just add to that like I said I 100% agree especially if you're in an industry where your competitors are paying for shipping yeah. and then you come out and say it that way rather than just saying free shipping yeah so some of the things we sell you know are big heavy items some of them are going to you know offices some of them are going to restaurants and there's different shipping options right so you have free shipping then you have upgraded like a white glove delivery service so what we'll say on some of our websites are we will pay for your white glove delivery and they know that our competitors are gonna say give us you know two hundred dollars extra for that where we say we'll pay for that and it converts like crazy so yeah great tip i love that what about support because your your
0: support team is limited on what kind of support they can give i imagine but how does that typically work like let's say i'm selling desks and Mm -hmm. uh i'm selling it through bob's desk supply and uh you know how does that work because they're they're sending the support ticket to my company and then i have got to go figure out what the hell's going on like is that a big issue or what's the, uh, or is there an easy way around it,
1: that? It, when you first start out in a new industry, it's kind of a big issue cause like, you know, any business you kind of have to learn it and see yeah. what people are asking about. But then, you know, like any other business, I guess the longer you're in it, you realize people ask the same things over and over again. Yeah. So we focus on having great internal resources that our team can use for support, but then also having our website, like one of the things too, like we talked about earlier, but how, how to get people to choose us. Uh, we know what questions people are going to have before they ask them. So we could update our product pages to give them all the answers that our competitors might not. Cause again, they're just doing basic copy and paste product uploads. So yeah, it's a, it's a process to get it right. But after, you know, a few months with any kind of traffic to your stores you'll figure out 95 percent of those those questions and have answers uh, yeah. ready to go
0: okay because yeah i would imagine like do, does like the the manufacturer usually send you the sh- like when they ship it out do they send you tracking information etc mm-hmm. to pass on yes okay that's good so yeah uh-huh. yes, there's, there's a way to do that so now is the part where like in the beginning i said i've got some very uh selfishly personal advice and i mentioned this offline to you and um mm-hmm. Last year, I bought a business in the home beer brewing market, okay? and it gets a lot of traffic—about sixty thousand visitors a month organically. And um, it mainly is—it's an, an authority site. It's a blog. It sells courses, and it um, and, and affiliate offers. The one thing it did not have until I bought it was a was an e-commerce platform. Everything's just WordPress. So I I built and uh, I, I put Shopify on the site, and I originally, and I started off, and we've had just a handful of sales and testing some stuff out, some print-on-demand t-shirt-related stuff. Mm-hmm. However, in this market, which you told me you've done some good research on, home beer brewing, mm-hmm. uh, it's probably a really great market, especially for high-ticket, because most home brewers are buying gear, stuff, they're buying consumable, everything from, like, certain things like yeast and and ingredients that go in the beer, but they're also buying all types of uh, kits and gear and conical fermenters and work mm-hmm. chillers and all these things that I barely even know the name <laughs> the name of. But um, I see it as being a pretty right market, especially because our site has a lot of trust built in. Trust, organic yep. reach, etc. And they're coming in to our site to learn the, um, what do you call it? Like the how to and and for instructional stuff. So I think it's, it's an absolutely perfect way to add a drop shipped e-com aspect onto this store uh, as well, right? So, and a lot, and there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, stores around the country. I have not started to look at the best suppliers because most of the suppliers that I see are the sites that we just send to as an affiliate, and I'm guessing that those probably are not necessarily the best suppliers because they're probably getting their stuff from somebody else as well, right? As opposed to making it themselves. Yeah. So is there anything that in your research that you looked into that you would make any recommendations Mm -hmm. for? Uh, And the other thing is I'd love to start, like I don't want to have a a dropshipping store that has everything under the sun, like death by a million SKUs, but there's there's easily Mm -hmm. some stuff that we can do to find the, the bigger ticket and the most commonly purchased products. But what would be your... Advice on the best way to kind of get that off the ground and running. Granted, we've already got the Shopify store set up. It's really just finding the right sources and doing it in a way that people buy from us versus the competition.
1: Yeah, exactly. So what I saw when I was looking into that is that a lot of the other e-commerce stores out there, they sell, you know, these kits. So they have like a beginner level kit, maybe like a, you know, mid tier kit and then a premium kit for the person that wants to build out their whole garage into like a brewery. So I thought a good way to do it was Kind of do the same thing and have maybe three different options, like three different tiers. Like, are you just starting out? Are you, you know, experienced and want something like that can make X amounts, or do you want like this master, you know, lab? And then basically have three different products on the website that are a combination of everything needed to put that kit together. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way that I was thinking of doing it, which I would definitely recommend since you have that audience already, is if you could find those those product groupings at good price points for, you know, again, three different price points like that. I would go ahead and just try to find someone from the community that is part of the website already that kind of has experience that seems like a good writer that seems like they actively either post or comment and I would try to ship them one either at cost or maybe for free and see if they could do different videos assembling it Uh, A video showing how to use it a video, you know, brewing different beer with it And then I would use all that content in the community So, you know share it and hopefully that person shares it too because they obviously want to be part of it And then build out three different products around that Uh, from there I would have everything that's included with those kits as Replacement parts if they needed but that would kind of be like a a hidden section of the store And then from there where I saw the big opportunity in that industry uh, was the actual, you know material people need or not material, the the, the supplies they need yeah. to, to make the the, like beer. the ingredients. And yeah, exactly. So yeah, I, when I was thinking of it, I wasn't thinking of it as much as a uh, like a buyer's club for that one But I was thinking a subscription box where mm-hmm. you know They get different seasonal beers depending on what time of year it is And what's cool about that too is there are already some huge YouTube beer channels But just having those people those brand ambassadors that have the kits in their house, you know when they get it ask them to make a video actually making the beer tasting it, and whatnot and then you have all this content that we just keep sharing to the YouTube uh, channel, to the Facebook group. And I feel like it's like, it's a perfect thing that people are so passionate about it and like they really enjoy that hobby that getting a few people to, to start with that. I think the subscription box could grow really, really big with that and be that recurring revenue.
0: Yeah, I do too. There's an interesting one in the print-on-demand subscription box for this, uh, for this market. I've seen two or three sites do this, which is um, on T-shirts. So they'll go around to different breweries. Um, and they'll, I think they'll grab their designs and they'll partner with them, but so mm-hmm. this month it may be one or one to three different breweries and they'll say, uh, give us your logo or whatever. And they'll have a designer mock up a really cool shirt. And then you buy the, um, you're a part of the subscription box, but you get, uh, a t-shirt for that, for like the brewery of the month. And they, mm-hmm. for all I know, they've, they're paying, you know, the brewery may be paying to be included with this cause it's like advertising, but yes. I think it's like $16 a month, and every month I'm getting a new brewery's uh, logo. And granted, there's probably a lot of ride-alongs with that, but every month all they have to do is, like, all right, these are the number of people who are on the subscription, let's send that out.
1: I thought that was a pretty interesting way to throw continuity on there as well. Yeah, yeah I actually heard them, they, they, they bought an ad on uh, on Howard Stern. I heard them on, uh, I heard, oh, them you've heard? advertisement on, on the Howard Stern show. Yeah.
0: Really? Nice. Yeah, yeah. I guess they're doing, yeah, that's actually not the great one intel.
1: In. Same company, same product, Yeah. Yeah, and, and then uh, yes, they must be making money because I'm sure that's not cheap. But like that 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 kind of model you just mentioned, where like the uh, the tea- the the bars, you know, or the breweries might be paying to actually have their yep. their logo on it. I mean, they probably are because the way I was I was tr- basically when I was thinking of this, along with some other. Uh, similar ideas was when I was thinking of the beauty box companies because the way that works obviously is they ship a beauty box every month to all the women that subscribe and they have little samples of products in them and the products not only are free to the company they usually pay to have theirs included so the customers will buy more of it so it's just a it's a beautiful business model where you can not only get free products but usually get paid to send your customers products absolutely absolutely the um,
0: as far as where it goes to sourcing sourcing stuff let's just say in the homebrew market Mm -hmm. do you have any recommended shortcuts to find good homebrew suppliers besides because once more a lot of the times i'm going to find you know the companies that are just selling this as Mm -hmm. big e-com sites as well um are there directories that you typically start off at are there google searches like homebrew supply plus wholesale or something like that
1: uh-huh. Yeah. So definitely I would say no no directories. Uh, when you're using Google, don't use the term drop shipping because that's when you're going to find yeah. you know middlemen and the companies that charge for access to products. Yeah. Uh, any good supplier will never charge for access to products because the relationship is yeah. we're going to sell your products and we're all going to make money. So yeah. Um, what we do, if I was going to search for that right now, I would just go on Google and I would type in whatever the specific products were. So you know homebrew kits. Yeah. Then I would look at websites that were selling homebrew kits. And then I would look to see what brand names made them Um, if they had a SKU number listed i would look for that then i would google those brand names then i would google those SKU numbers and i would just try to find directly the companies that 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 make them so uh you know i'm at a stand-up desk right too uh, right now too that's made by Desk. so i wouldn't want to look at Anton standup I would go to that website, see VaryDesk was sold there. Then I would go to Veridesk's website. And if I wanted private labeled standup desks, I would contact VaryDesk and say, you know, I'm looking to sell your products. I'm calling from Anton's standupdesks.com. And in the scenario that I guess we're talking about now, if you wanted to go the, the private label dropship route, I would ask them if they did that. Mm-hmm. If I just wanted to sell it under very desk, I would ask if they work with internet retailers and then see who I should speak to about getting approved to sell their products yeah yeah i I love yeah just literally like it's just it's it's funny because there's all these like and i understand why if people want to drop ship they google drop shipping and it's like the worst term you can use if you want to build a real business with this model like the only reason my business is called dropship lifestyle so people could find us but we never use that term with any of our customers any of our suppliers more like the marketers who are using it right yeah exactly. exactly Yep.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that that was one of the things specifically with this market like a home brew kit is usually a combination of like a bucket and a tube and a something or other and some other gadget and and also a doohickey. And those I always wonder if it's the store who's bundling stuff together like oh I got a bucket from this person, I got this from that person, I got this from that person. Let's let's bundle them all up together. But it I think that's just some um some research Mm-hmm. that we need to do on that. Yeah. And then I'm guessing, like, the strategy here is, like, also going to some of the competitors' um, websites. And a lot of times you can sort by best-selling items. Yep. And then say, okay, uh, show me anything above, you know, like, what what did you say, like, $200 is what you kind of like the price you're at. So anything yep. over $200 or maybe even $100, $100 and up, where... um You know where it's a it's a good selling item, and it's like okay, let's let's add that stuff to our store. Let's let's add the essential stuff for getting started. For like yeah, like you said, beginner, intermediate, and advanced, and then start to find the uh, supply for the Mm -hmm. like the the ingredients.
1: Oh, these people need
0: barley. They need hops.
1: yeah, and especially at those different price points, you know, the, the fact that you have a lot of organic traffic built into that site already, um, so your cost of acquisition is going to be lower, and the fact that it sounds like there is going to be, you know, recurring built in on it, that, that's something, you know, if if the customer's there for free and you sold something at $100, and then with that $100 order, they had the option to add on, you know, $20 a month or whatever it is, subscription, like that's that's still great because you're not paying you know, 10% of that to acquire the customer. So um, there's definitely ways to get creative with pricing too. I, ju- I use that as a general rule of thumb because more often than not, our traffic is mainly bought.
0: Right. Now, when you're sending to a landing page, are you sending straight to like a Shopify um, product page or are you creating standalone funnel style pages, whether it's in ClickFunnels or or one of the mm-hmm. other landing page builders, like Funnel Builder from Matt Stefanik or something like that? Are you- Yeah, on- no, there-
1: they're all Shopify product pages. Again, like okay. we do build them out a little bit so they don't just look like a, a basic copy and paste product page, but we keep everything for our e-commerce in Shopify.
0: Okay. What's the most expensive uh products that you've either sold or have students have sold in dropship mm-hmm. model? Like five thousand, thousand, like
1: Yeah, you- I th- I think I think the biggest one I got, it was a long time ago, the biggest one, but it was over 8,000. I think it was like 8,300 or 8,600 or wow. something like that. Yeah. And then the biggest order I ever got, which a student beat me, but the biggest order I ever got was for 62,000 for uh, a company that ordered, uh, 62 pieces of a thousand dollar item. So Dear that Lord. was, that, that was a good one. But then I had a, I had a student, well, I still have he's still a student, but a couple of years ago he got an order for over from a hundred thousand dollars from a university that just bought a ton of one of his products. And, yeah. So that th- they don't happen often, but when they do, it's a, uh, it's a good, it's a good day. So do you, do you ever try to
0: engineer that to say, cause what you just mentioned were some almost like business purchases versus an individual. Yeah, they, do you ever look for those industries where there's a, a bunch of business purchases going
1: on? Um, not specifically, but we do call attention to it on our websites. Where if we're selling something like, if I was selling, you know, commercial wine refrigerators, mm-hmm. I would assume that most likely it's going to be restaurants. So I would definitely have, you know, a tab visible on every page that said something like. To the trade, where if they went to that, they would see examples of other businesses we've sold to, and they would know that if they're buying in bulk, they would receive a, a volume discount, and it would have like a phone number and an email, like VIP at you know AntonsRestaurantStore.com dot or something. And uh, that that those like those orders obviously they don't just come in through on the website. It's usually a conversation back and forth. Usually they want to make a deposit and then pay you know the balance when it gets there. So yeah, we we build pages that target those people. But we don't run traffic to those pages. They just, they click there once they find our website and then uh, are seen if they want to buy from us or not.
0: Okay. Now, are you adding any one-click uh, upsell funnel style things into your Shopify using some of the apps that are out there right now or not typically? Not really,
1: no. Yeah, we, we do like on our product pages, people can, can add things on, but um, nothing, there's no like elaborate funnels behind yeah. our products. A lot of what we do with our, our remarketing and trying to, you know, have people take different things is done via uh, post-purchase emails. So after people buy from us, we are making offers in their, in their actual like product delivery sequence. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, not not like straight after for the most part.
0: What about when you're looking in deciding which products to do? Are you are you trying to look for things that have repeat buyers more so than
1: um, just one-off sales? It's not the most important. If, mm-hmm. if we can get that, that's that's great. But typically, you know, just to give you an idea, like most of our websites on any given day, 90% plus of the traffic is first time visitors. So a lot of the things are one off purchases or something people will buy maybe every couple of years. So it's not, um, we don't have a lot of, recurring in, in the majority of our stores are a lot of things that people keep coming back for. That's why a big thing that, and we didn't, again, I've been doing this you know stuff for a while with e-commerce, but the whole, like what I call lead value optimization thing, where we promote, you know, info products to our audiences, where we promote other people's less expensive products to our audiences. We didn't start doing that until a few years ago, but it's made a big, big boost in our, in our revenue and in profits because now we have other things that we could promote to our buyers where it used to be they'd buy our thing and we just didn't have anything. To sell them for a while now we just promote other people's stuff to them and we can uh increase that that lead value oh fantastic
0: okay so man this has been this has been really killer And i'm trying to think here what am i missing that would make make my listeners i mean already my hopefully my listeners are like holy shit i gotta listen to this thing 10 times mm-hmm. um but they don't because they can go to dropshiplifestyle.com. Let's give you a plug because this has been fantastic. So tell me about some of the resources that are available over at Dropship Lifestyle.
1: Yeah, that's where we have our, our courses and whatnot and some different downloads. But there's also a blog there. And we've posted at least once a week, I think, for the past like four years now. So there's, a, there's enough content to keep you busy for a while. If you want to see if this is for you, get some more information on it. But uh, yeah, that's where everything that we publish gets uh, eventually linked to. I love it. Okay. So but I mean, is it courses? Is it coaching? Is it a little bit of yeah? So uh, a that, of that's anything? that's the main thing. Like it, the the blog is there just to kind of keep people updated of share some new things we learned and, things uh, kind we of what we're of on. But then we do have a course that was a course that just won the, uh, the that just won the bit of a little bit of a little bit of a little bit was, I was, I was was little was wasn't, little I wasn't because I didn't know it was not know it a thing a thing cause this was the first year they ever did it. a so that was a good phone call to get, but, um, yeah, it's, uh. Our main course takes people through the seven steps that we use every time we launch a store. So starting with niche selection, then market research to see if your idea is viable, then web design. So how to use Shopify, uh, how to get approved with suppliers? Because again, this isn't like you don't pay to get approved. You don't use a directory. You actually have to find them and say the right things to them. Then I help people with optimizing their website for conversions to make sure people actually buy when they get there. Uh, Then we have a whole module on traffic. So how to use things like Google product listing ads, how to do basic onsite SEO, how to form relationships with niche related blogs and other people that can send you traffic. And then the final step of the course is all about automation. So how to use different apps and tools and even how to hire virtual assistants once you start making a bunch of money and don't want to be in your email all day. So the whole process from A to Z of building a a high ticket dropship store. Nice.
0: Well, I love it. I'm on your website now and I went over to like courses and I see the uh, basic premium and done for you. Everybody likes it done for you. Yeah. so this for the people is where, that don't
1: want to learn web design.
0: Right. So <laughs> they this want to is skip where, that module,
1: we'll do it for them.
0: Right. Like, you'll set up the store. Will you help them find the – like, you'll find the uh, the suppliers for them and plug in all the stuff?
1: Yeah, we help with all of that.
0: Nice. Um, what, do, what do you think about – well, I, this is actually not – I already know the answer to this. So, site, like, apps like Oberlo and other things that automatically go out and scrape, like, the mm-hmm. suppliers and stuff, do you typically stay away from automated stuff like yeah. that?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then what I'll say is like, it's definitely, I, I know there's people making money using that and it's not, I'm not going to say it's a scam or anything like that. But the thing is like, if anyone wants to think about it in, in the most simplest way, like if you want to have a real business that is worth more in a year than it is now, that's still around in a year, that's still around in five years that you could have in 10 years and maybe, you know, pass down to your children or flip for a lot of money, it's not going to be a website that you clicked a few buttons connected to an app and imported a hundred products from China. Like that's not the answer. so. So what I believe, if you're gonna spend your time doing this, and by doing this, I mean building a business, you might as well do it in something that actually has an opportunity not just to make you real money, but to be lasting and something that actually benefits the customers and you. So um, again, not a scam, not like they're ripping you off or anything, but it's not a long-term play at all.
0: Right, exactly.
1: Um, you know, I was going to wrap this up but I actually have a couple other questions that came to mind sure. because
0: uh, as I mentioned earlier I've done acquisitions and I love doing exits um, and I like to do acquisitions in order to exit have you done much in the terms of uh, buying somebody else's dropship site versus uh, or, and or selling a mm-hmm. site once it's up and running like, so w- which side of yeah. that have you got more experience on?
1: Selling, I, I have bought, but I typically sell. Um, and the reason is just because like, there are definitely some great opportunities to buy. Like the one you mentioned, you know, you want to get into yeah. that industry that has an audience built in, like that's a great example to buy. But what I see a lot of people making the mistake of doing is, hey, I want to start an e-commerce store and they'll go on like Flippa or something. And again, there maybe there are some good sites on Flippa, but if you search for drop shipping stores, most of what you're going to find are these copy and paste yep. templates that, you know, oh, just all you have to do is, set this up and get traffic and you're going to make money like that, that never works. So for the acquisition side, unless it's going to be one of those deals, like the one you mentioned where you have a built-in audience, I typically just try to see what everyone is doing and like spend a ton of time. Like most of our time goes into market research. So seeing, you know, who they're working with already, who their brand partners are, where they're getting their traffic from, and then trying to not just recreate it, but see where there's a gap to make it better and then do it ourselves. So more often than not, we build it and then we sell it.
0: Yeah. I love it. Are you seeing, uh, are you seeing, you said you were seeing some
1: really good valuations on selling these sites when they're done well, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that's when they're done well. And just, I, you know, I'm sure you know this, but so everyone else knows it too. Like that's, you know, when they've been established for a couple of years and revenue is at least Statement. flat, if not trending upwards. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. If you start a store three months ago and you know, it made a thousand dollars, it's not worth $30,000 today. That's right. not going to well, happen. And in, and in a yeah. lot of
0: cases, for somebody, especially like yourself, who's very skilled at starting one of these stores and getting them up and running, it doesn't actually make that much sense for you to go buy you personally to go buy somebody else's dropshipping store because you mm-hmm. the cost to recreate it is almost nil for you. Yeah, right? exactly. So they they exactly. would have to have something dramatically like that they're leaving on the table. Or in the case of what I did is I went out and I bought a trusted site that gets organ a ton of organic traffic and has a and has a decent sized email list already and these Mm -hmm. like for instance e-commerce is one of the things they weren't doing and there was a lot of low-hanging fruit i actually see that as being a a really good strategy for somebody in which they go out and they they buy they buy the audience elsewhere that isn't being served in this way but then if they know let's say they you know they've gone through dropship lifestyle and they know how to do this go buy the audience Mm -hmm. and then create the e-com aspect and you may be able to get that money back right away
1: yeah. And to, to build on that, we have a bunch of students that have bought uh, different Amazon affiliate sites and they buy them. And of course, they're monetized only with Amazon. And then instead of doing that, they swap out the affiliate links with actual products and start making a lot more than your, I think, default 4%. So, well, so and that's yeah, exactly that, that's exactly yeah. one of the things behind ours is
0: because it's a it's a very robust blog, but it's it's got I mean, the biggest affiliate program we've got is Amazon and mm-hmm. yeah, you're making peanuts. I may I may yeah. make, I may sell hundred thousand dollars worth of stuff and make three thousand. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. So a little bit little bit frustrating. Um, dude this has been this has been phenomenal. Like I, this has been one of my favorite episodes because it's been so rapid fire. You're, you've got answers for every single question. And I know you've given me a lot of shortcuts in the learning curve of some things that I was like, okay, this is some stuff I'm going to do. I just, uh, I need to plug in a couple holes and find out people who are doing it differently. And I love the fact that you're doing the the bigger ticket uh, products because I don't want to just compete with the other people who are just selling crap and impulse buys. Mm -hmm. And um, I think this is a you know, a terrific model that people can go out on. And, and speaking of that, for, for anybody who's like, I've never done e-commerce, I've never gotten this going, what do you think people should budget? Assuming, let, let's say they've, they've bought your course, so that doesn't mm-hmm. have anything to do with it. But somebody's got now all the education, they're raring to go. How much does it, should they really have set aside to get this thing up, tested, validated, and get some momentum?
1: Yeah, I, I know it sounds like ridiculous, but a few hundred bucks is more than enough. Really? Uh, one of the beautiful things about this business is it doesn't cost a lot. That's not to say it doesn't take time. That's not to say it's not real work. But your actual expenses, you know, Shopify is twenty nine dollars a month. They give you a twenty one day free trial. The domain name is ten dollars, so you're at you know forty nine dollars, like or thirty nine dollars, two months into your business. Besides that, your costs are going to be advertising expenses and Google gives you a hundred dollar credit to start using Google Shopping. So, yep. like a lot of it, it's it's not really about money. It's more about being willing to put in the work that it takes to build it. But a few hundred bucks, you're you're good for a while.
0: Yeah, and if Google Shopping starts to work, I mean uh, that hundred bucks. Exactly. You spend a hundred, and like you said, you're you're actually shoot. And this is a, a ten to one return on ad spend is not. Yeah. Is not impossible to get, right?
1: No, no. And especially, and not, not only that, we're not looking to do that in, you know, 30 days or in three months, we're looking to do that within a few days. And nice. I mentioned earlier, but you know, those expiring coupon codes, like people end the the fact that when people find us, they know they're going to buy from somewhere, uh, you know, they're going to buy from us within a few days or they're not going to buy from us at all. So mm-hmm. yeah, it, you get the return on ad spend back very, very quickly. Again, assuming you do everything right. So I don't want to make it sound too easy, but if you do it right, people buy sooner than later.
0: Is Google shopping pretty straightforward to figure out I know there's some nuances to it but is it
1: yeah it's it is it is. there's different strategies like you can't use just straight up keywords for example so you have to use negative keywords a lot and um, kind of filter what you want traffic for by different ad group levels so mm-hmm. th- th- there's some learning required definitely a learning curve but it's not you know it's not impossible do you suggest that most or do
0: you either suggest or see that most of your students end up trying to learn all that themselves or find, Mm -hmm. go out to a place and find a Google shopping expert and pay them to help ramp it up.
1: Yeah. I, I think like almost any good Google shopping expert won't take on a client unless they're already making some money with their store. Yeah. So, uh, mo- most of our students, you know, we even tell them like, listen, you know, do it yourself. You don't have to be making six figures a month in sales, but do it yourself. Prove that your store is working, prove that, you know, everything is set up correctly, then it's a good time to have that conversation. But most people get to their, uh, whatever milestone they first want to hit on their own. So, you know, call it 10, 20, 30,000 a month, then considering outsourcing it and that's sales, not profit, right?
0: All right. So, what is a nut you're trying to crack right now in your business, your life, whatever? And by that, I mean, I mean obviously getting more people to be aware of dropship lifestyle and so they can use that as a resource. But is there anything specifically that you're either trying to a person you're trying to meet, a skill you're trying to learn, uh, something you're trying to figure out? Just you know, a nut you're trying to crack. This is where myself, my listeners, can potentially be a value to you.
1: Yeah, sure. So something I've been, um, I guess, experimenting with and kind of using for the past year or so is uh, building up a a YouTube audience. I just, I really like YouTube as a platform and our organic growth has been, decent, it's not where I want it to be. Um, So looking to get the subscriber count way up and looking to put out more of the type of content that I guess more people would engage with. So uh, our YouTube channel is just youtube.com slash dropship lifestyle. And I had a goal of having over 100,000 subscribers by the end of the year. I think we're at like 46,000 now, 45,000. So got some work to do on that, but yeah. Give you some help on that. (laughs) So I've got a guy
0: that I'm going to – I've got a couple of introductions I'll make on that. One of them is – and I'm, I'm actually looking through my text messages here, uh, a guy named Aaron Biblo. And Aaron is literally helping people with um, a very specific thing on YouTube. And uh, what do you, he told me literally last night, he's like, yeah, I'll send you the bullet points of this. Nice. But he said one of the things – one of the things is he goes, we figured out how to make it so that really almost almost immediately you can get your videos as the suggested video, like the one that usually auto plays right mm-hmm. after on somebody on like one of your competitors' channels, and it's one of yeah. those things. He goes, it works like crazy. It's a he goes, his partner kind of figured out this either algorithm or this. I hesitate Mm -hmm. to call it a hack, but it's a way that it's like, oh my God, this is really valuable so that you can get on all different types of channels where it's the the YouTube suggested video and they've got an entire strategy around this. And literally last night he sent me a text where I was like, hey, put put this – put this down in bullet points in case I run across anybody who needs some YouTube help. And he goes, yeah, I'll, I'll put together some bullet points for you regarding what it is, what it does, who it's for and pricing. And if there's anybody out there listening on the uh, podcast who also wants information, you can send an email to askbrad at baconwrappedbusiness.com and I'll make sure and just put you know YouTube contact in there and I will um, forward that on to you as well. But he's something I can definitely recommend and there's another guy he's a former um he's a former guest on the show named uh Brandon Brandon Lucero. L-U-C-E-R-O. I think his I'm just putting in his website here. I think it's soldwithvideo.com. Yes, yeah, soldwithvideo.com uh is his site, and you can listen to I'm just I'm typing it in, Brandon Lucero. Cool. On uh, baconwrappedbusiness.com forward slash Brandon, B R A N D O N L U C E R O. And you can hear me grill him the same way I'm grilling you. So, you know, that's cool. one of the nice parts about this show is you get to hear all the, like, let, let me hear the real stuff that's working as opposed nice. to just the other stuff. Yeah. So, uh, hopefully, those two help you. And I will send you an email when we get offline about like an introduction and uh, whatnot so I can help you. But Man, I can't tell you, Anton, I've really enjoyed this, uh, and I think that um, I think you're offering a tremendous amount of service, and I can al- already tell that you know what you're talking about. You're not BSing this stuff. sounds like you've been doing it for a while and helped a lot of people, so I recommend that every one of my listeners go out and check out um, dropshiplifestyle.com. and if you have any questions about it, send an email to askbrad at baconwrapbusiness.com, about, really about anything. Um, and anything else to add any, any parting thoughts from you?
1: Um, not really. I guess I'll, I'll just close it with one thing. We, we briefly hit on Facebook ads before for these type yeah. of stores. Uh, you, you mentioned, you know, retargeting all the way that that's definitely the easiest win. Everyone should do that from day one. But uh, if anyone does want to get into this whole higher ticket thing, don't try direct response ads to cold audiences with Facebook cause you don't have a good chance of, uh, getting a good. A return on investment, and it's just not worth it. You want those people that have intent already, so stay away from targeting cold audiences with a thousand-dollar products, and you'll be good to go.
0: Right now, would you do? Would you ever do Facebook audi- Like, so you, with Facebook
1: on these higher-ticket products, you just do retargeting then.
0: Yes. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Like yeah. you know, unless even the do... store is
1: much more established, and yeah. even then, what we're running traffic to is some content. some type of buyer's guide or yeah, some piece of content, and that yeah, doesn't always work either. So for most people new, I don't recommend it. That's that's kind of like some of our experimental budget. Sometimes it does great. Doesn't always make money. So if you're starting out and can't lose anything, don't don't risk it on that. Don't start that. Love day. it.
0: Anton, this has been fantastic. I truly appreciate your time today. And for everybody listening, I hope you've enjoyed it as well. If you did get your lazy butt onto iTunes and send me a review, please, because uh, that's, I I read every single one of them and I love to read them and it's one of the ways that you can let me know that this has really impacted you. You can also send me an email to askbrad at baconwrapbusiness.com. Show me that you did. I'll give you a shout out on the show. Um, Anton, thanks again for joining me. And for everybody else, I'll see you on the next episode. Talk soon. All right, thank you.